Section number 52 of the Junior Classics, Volume 9, Stories of Today. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lola Janey. The Rose and the Ring, Part 18, How They All Journeyed Back to the Capital. The fairy Blackstick, by whose means this young king and queen had certainly won their respective crowns back, would come not unfrequently to pay them a little visit, as they were riding in their triumphal progress towards Giglio's capital, change her wand into a pony, and travel by their majesty's side, giving them the very best advice. I am not sure that King Giglio did not think the fairy and her advice rather a bore, fancying it his own valor and merits which had put him on his throne and conquered Padilla. And, in fine, I hear he rather gave himself airs towards his best friend and patroness. She exhorted him to deal justly by his subjects, to draw mildly on the taxes, never to break his promise when he had once given it, and, in all respects, be a good king. A good king, my dear fairy, cried Rosalba. Of course he will. Break his promise? Can you fancy my Giglio would ever do anything so improper, so unlike him? No, never. And she looked fondly towards Giglio, whom she thought a pattern of perfection. Why is Fairy Blackstick always advising me and telling me how to manage my government and warning me to keep my word? Does she suppose that I am not a man of sense, a man of honor? Asks Giglio testily. Methinks she rather presumes upon her position. Hush, dear Giglio, says Rose Alba. You know Blackstick has been very kind to us, and we must not offend her. But the fairy was not listening to Giglio's testy observations. She had fallen back and was trotting on her pony now by Master Bulbo's side, who rode a donkey, and made himself generally beloved in the army by his cheerfulness, kindness, and good humor to everybody. He was eager to see his darling Angelica. He thought there never was such a charming being. Blackstick did not tell him it was the possession of the magic rose that made Angelica so lovely in his eyes. She brought him the very best accounts of his little wife, whose misfortunes and humiliations had indeed very greatly improved her. And, you see, she could whisk off on her wand a hundred miles in a minute and be back in no time and so carry polite messages from Bobo to Angelica and from Angelica to Bobo and comfort that young man upon his journey. When the royal party arrived at last stage before you reach Bloombodinga, who should be in waiting in her carriage there with her lady of honor by her side, but the princess Angelica. She rushed into her husband's arms, scarcely stopping to make a passing curtsy to the king and queen. 
she had no eyes but for bulbo who appeared perfectly lovely to her on account of the fairy ring which he wore whilst she herself wearing the magic rose in her bonnet seemed entirely beautiful to the enraptured bulbo a splendid luncheon was served to the royal party of which the archbishop the chancellor duke hedzoff countess gruffenough and all of our friends partook the fairy blackstick being seated to the left of king giglio with bulbo and angelica beside her you could hear the joy bells ringing in the capital and the guns which the citizens were firing off in honor of their majesties what can have induced that hideous old gruff enough to dress herself up in such an absurd way did you ask her to be your bridesmaid my dear says giglio to rosalba what a figure of fun gruffy is gruffy was seated opposite their majesties between the archbishop and the lord chancellor and a figure of fun she certainly was for she was dressed in a low white silk dress with lace over a wreath of white roses on her wig a splendid lace veil and her yellow old neck was covered with diamonds she ogled the king in such a manner that his majesty burst out laughing eleven o'clock cries giglio as the great cathedral bell of bloombadinga tolled that hour gentlemen and ladies we must be starting archbishop you must be at church i think before twelve we must be at church before twelve sighs out gruff enough in a languishing voice hiding her old face behind her fan and then i shall be the happiest man in my dominions cried giglio with an elegant bow to the blushing rose alba oh my giglio oh my dear giglio exclaims gruff enough and can it be that this happy moment at length has arrived of course it has arrived says the king and that i am about to become the enraptured bride of my adored giglio continues gruff enough lend me a smelling bottle somebody i certainly shall faint with joy you my bride roars out giglio you marry my prince cried poor little rose alba Poof! nonsense the woman's mad exclaimed the king and all the courtiers exhibited by their countenances and expressions marks of surprise or ridicule or incredulity or wonder i should like to know who else is going to be married if i am not shrieks out gruff enough i should like to know if king giglio is a gentleman and if there is such a thing as justice in flagonia lord chancellor my lord archbishop will your lordships sit by and see a poor fond confiding tender creature put upon has not prince giglio promised to marry his barbara is not this giglio's signature does not this paper declare that he is mine and only mine and she handed to his grace the archbishop the document which the prince signed that evening when she wore the magic ring and giglio drank so much champagne and the old archbishop taking out his glasses read 
This is to give notice that I, Giglio, only son of Savio, king of Flagonia, hereby promise to marry the charming Barbara Griselda, Countess Gruffanuff, and widow of the late Jenkins Gruffanuff Esquire. Hmm, says the archbishop. The document is certainly a, a document. Pooh, says the Lord Chancellor. The signature is not in His Majesty's handwriting. Indeed, since his studies at Bosphoros, Giglio has made an immense improvement in calligraphy. Is it your handwriting, Giglio? cried the fairy black stick with an awful severity of countenance. Y y y yes poor Giglio gasps out. I had quite forgotten the confounded paper. She can't mean to hold me by it. You old wretch, what will you take to let me off? Help the queen, someone, her majesty has fainted. Chop off her head, smother the old witch, pitch her into the river, exclaims the impetuous Hedzoff, the ardent Smith, and the faithful Jones. But Gruffanuff flung her arms round the archbishop's neck and bellowed out, Justice, justice, my lord chancellor, so loudly that her piercing shrieks caused everybody to pause. As for Rose Alba, she was borne away lifeless by her ladies, and you may imagine the look of agony which Giglio casts towards that lovely being as his hope, his joy, his darling, his all in all, was thus removed, and in her place the horrid old Gruffanuff rushed up to his side and once more shrieked out, Justice! Justice! Won't you take that sum of money which Glumboso hid, said Giglio, two hundred and eighteen thousand millions, or thereabouts. It's a handsome sum. I will have that and you too says gruffanuff let us throw the crown jewels into the bargain gasps out giglio i will wear them by my giglio's side says gruffanuff will half three quarters five six nineteen twentieths of my kingdom do countess asks the trembling monarch what were all europe to me without you my giglio cries gruff kissing his hand i won't i can't i shan't i'll resign the crown first shouts giglio tearing away his hand but gruff clung to it i have a competency my love she says and with thee and the cottage thy barbara will be happy giglio was half mad with rage by this time i will not marry her says he oh fairy fairy give me counsel and as he spoke, he looked wildly round at the severe face of the fairy Blackstick. Why is fairy Blackstick always advising me and warning me to keep my word? Does she suppose that I am not a man of honor? said the fairy, quoting Giglio's own haughty words. He quailed under the brightness of her eyes. He felt that there was no escape for him from that awful inquisition. Well, Archbishop, said he in a dreadful voice that made his grace start, since this fairy has led me to the height of happiness, but to dash me down into the depths of despair, 
since I am to lose Rose Alba, let me at least keep my honor. Get up, Countess, and let us be married. I can keep my word, but I can die afterwards. Oh, dear Giulio, cries Gruffinuff, skipping up. I knew, I knew I could trust thee. I knew that my prince was the soul of honor. Jump into your carriages, ladies and gentlemen, and let us go to church at once. And as for dying, dear Giulio, no, no, thou wilt forget that insignificant little chambermaid of a queen. Thou wilt live to be consoled by thy Barbara. She wishes to be a queen and not a queen dowager, my gracious lord. And hanging upon poor Giulio's arm and leering and grinning in his face in the most disgusting manner, this old wretch tripped off in her white satin shoes and jumped into the very carriage which had been got ready to convey Giulio and Rosalba to church. The cannons roared again. The bells pealed triple bob majors, and people came out flinging flowers upon the path of the royal bride and bridegroom. And Gruff looked out of the gilt coach window and bowed and grinned to them. Foo! The horrid old wretch! End of section 52